0: Download the Viator app now and use code VIATOR10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Chapter 5. The King of Spades When Monsieur Moreau offers his arm to lead Valérie de Seven back to the coach, it is accepted passively enough. Little matters now what new degradation she endures. Her pride can never fall lower than it has fallen. Despised by the man she loves so tenderly, the world's contempt is nothing to her. In a few minutes, they are both seated in the coach, driving through the Champs-Elysees. "'Are you taking me home?' she asks. "'No, madame. We have another errand, as I told you.' "'And that errand?' "'I am going to take you where you will have your fortune told.' "'My fortune!' she exclaims with a bitter laugh. "'Bah, madame!' says her companion. "'Let us understand each other. "'I hope I have not to deal with a romantic and lovesick girl. "'I will not gall your pride by recalling to your recollection "'in what a contemptible position I have found you. "'I offer my services to rescue you from that contemptible position. "'But I do so in the firm belief that you are a woman of spirit, "'courage, and determination,' And, "'And that I can pay you well,' she adds scornfully. "'And that you can pay me well. "'I am no Don Quixote, madame, "'nor have I any great respect for that gentleman. "'Believe me, I intend that you shall pay me well for my services, "'as you will learn by and by.' "'Again there is the cold glitter in the blue eyes "'and the ominous smile which a mustache does well to hide.' "'But,' he continues, "'if you have a mind to break your heart "'for an opera singer's handsome face, "'go and break it in your boudoir, madame, "'with no better confidant than your lady's maid, "'for you are not worthy of the services of Raymond Moreau.' "'You rate your services very high, then, monsieur?' "'Perhaps.' "'Look, you, madame, "'you despise me because I am an adventurer. "'Had I been born in the purple... "'Lord, even in my cradle of wide lands and a great name, "'you would respect me. "'Now, I respect myself because I am an adventurer, "'because by the force alone of my own mind "'I have risen from what I was to be what I am. "'I will show you my cradle some day. "'It has no tapestried coverlet or embroidered curtains, "'I can assure you.' "'They are driving now through a dark street "'in a neighborhood utterly unknown to the lady.' "'Where are you taking me?' she asks again, "'with something like fear in her voice. "'As I told you before, to have your fortune told. "'Nay, madame, unless you trust me, I cannot serve you. "'Remember, it is to my interest to serve you well. "'You can therefore have no cause for fear.' "'As he speaks, they stop before a ponderous gateway "'in the blank wall of a high, dark-looking house.' "'They are somewhere in the neighborhood of Notre-Dame, "'for the grand old towers loom dimly in the darkness. "'Monsieur Moreau gets out of the coach and rings a bell, "'at the sound of which the porter opens the door. "'Raymond assists Valerie to dismount "'and leads her across a courtyard into a little hall "'and up a stone staircase to the fifth story of the house. "'At another time her courage might have failed her "'in this strange house at so late an hour,' "'with this man, of whom she knows nothing. "'But she is reckless to-night. "'There is nothing very alarming in the aspect of the room "'into which Raymond leads her. "'It is a cheerful little apartment, lighted with gas. "'There is a small stove, near a table, "'before which is seated a gentlemanly-looking man "'of some forty years of age. "'He has a very pale face, a broad forehead, "'from which the hair is brushed away behind the ears,' He wears blue spectacles, which entirely conceal his eyes, and in a manner shade his face. You cannot tell what he is thinking of, for it is a peculiarity of this man that the mouth, which with other people is generally the most expressive feature, has with him no expression whatever. It is a thin straight line, which opens and shuts as he speaks, but which never curves into a smile or contracts when he frowns. He is deeply engaged, bending over a pack of cards spread out on the green cloth which covers the table, as if he were playing a cart without an opponent, when Raymond opens the door. But he rises at the sight of the lady and bows low to her. He has the air of a student rather than of a man of the world. "'My good blue rosé,' says Raymond, "'I have brought a lady to see you to whom I have been speaking very highly of your talents.' "'With the pasteboard or the crucible?' asked the impassable mouth. "'Both, my dear fellow. We shall want both your talents. "'Sit down, madame. I must do the honours of the apartment, "'for my friend Laurent Bleu-Roset is too much a man of science "'to be a man of gallantry. "'Sit down, madame. Place yourself at this table, "'there opposite Monsieur Bleu-Roset, and then to business.' This Raymond Moreau, of whom she knows absolutely nothing, has a strange influence over Valerie, an influence against which she no longer struggles. She obeys him passively and seats herself before the little green covered table. The blue spectacles of Monsieur Laurent Blue rose look at her attentively for two or three minutes. As for the eyes behind the spectacles, she cannot even guess what might be revealed in their light. The man seems to have a strange advantage in looking at every one as from behind a screen. His own face, with hidden eyes and inflexible mouth, is like a blank wall. Now then, Blue Roset, we will begin with the pasteboard. Madame would like to have her fortune told. She knows, of course, that this fortune-telling is mere charlatanism, but she wishes to see one of the cleverest charlatans. Charlatanism? Charlatan? "'Well, it doesn't matter. "'I believe in what I read here because I find it true. "'The first time I find a false meaning in these bits of pasteboard, "'I shall throw them into that fire and never touch a card again. "'They've been the hobby of twenty years, "'but you know I could do it, Englishman.' "'Englishman!' exclaimed Valerie, looking up with astonishment. "'Yes,' answered Raymond, laughing. A surname which Monsieur Blue Roset has bestowed upon me in ridicule of my politics, which happened once to resemble those of our honest neighbor, John Bull. Monsieur Blue Roset nods an assent to Raymond's assertion as he takes the cards in his thin yellow white hands and begins shuffling them. He does this with a skill peculiar to himself and you could almost guess in watching him that these little pieces of pasteboard have been his companions for twenty years. Presently he arranges them in groups of threes, fives, sevens, and nines, reserving a few cards in his hand. Then the blue spectacles are lifted and contemplate Valerie for two or three seconds. Your friend is the Queen of Spades, he says, turning to Raymond. Decidedly, replies Monsieur Moreau, how the insipid diamond beauties fade beside this gorgeous loveliness of the South. Valérie does not hear the compliment, which at another time she would have resented as an insult. She is absorbed in watching the groups of cards over which the blue spectacles are so intently bent. Monsieur Blue Roset seems to be working some calculations with these groups of cards, assisted by those he has in his hand. The spectacles wander from the threes to the nines, from the sevens to the fives, back again, across again, from five to nine, from three to seven, from five to three, from seven to nine. Presently, he says, The king of spades is everywhere here. He does not look up as he speaks, never raising the spectacles from the cards. His manner of speaking is so passionless and mechanical "'that he might almost be some calculating automaton. "'The King of Spades,' says Raymond, "'is a dark and handsome young man. "'Yes,' says Blue Roset, "'he's everywhere beside the Queen of Spades. "'Valerie, in spite of herself, "'is absorbed by this man's words. "'She never takes her eyes from the spectacles "'and the thin pale lips of the fortune-teller. "'I do not like his influence. "'It is bad,' "'This king of spades is dragging the queen down, "'down into the very mire. "'Valerie's cheeks can scarcely grow whiter "'than it has been ever since the revelation "'of the Bois de Boulon, "'but she cannot repress a shudder at these words. "'There is a falsehood,' continues Monsieur Bleu-Rosset, "'and there is a fair woman here. "'A fair woman? "'That girl we saw tonight is fair,' whispers Raymond.' "'No doubt Monsieur Don Giovanni admires blondes, "'having himself the southern beauty. "'The fair woman is always with the king of spades,' "'says the fortune-teller. "'There is here no falsehood, nothing but devotion. "'The king of spades can be true. "'He is true to this diamond woman. "'But for the queen of spades, he is nothing but treachery. "'Is there anything more on the cards?' asks Raymond." Yes, a priest, a marriage, money. Ah, this king of spades imagines that he is within reach of a great fortune. Does he deceive himself? Yes, now the treachery changes sides. The queen of spades is in it now. But stay, the traitor, the real traitor is here, this fair man, the knave of diamonds.' Raymond Morel lays his white hand suddenly upon the card to which Blue Rosé is pointing, and says hurriedly, "'Bah, you have told us all about yesterday. Now tell us of tomorrow.' And then he adds in a whisper in the ear of Monsieur Blue Rosé, "'Fool, have you forgotten your lesson?' "'They will speak the truth,' mutters the fortune-teller. "'I was carried away by them. "'I will be more careful.' This whispered dialogue is unheard by Valerie, who sits immovable, awaiting the sentence of the oracle, as if the monotonous voice of Monsieur Blue Rosé were the voice of Nemesis. Now then, for the future, says Raymond, it is possible to tell what has happened. We wish to pass the confines of the possible. Tell us then, what is going to happen? Monsieur Blue Rosé collects the cards, shuffles them, and rearranges them in groups as before. Again, the blue spectacles wander. From three to nine, from nine to seven, from seven to five, Valerie following them with bright and hollow eyes. Presently, the fortune-teller says, in his old mechanical way, "'The Queen of Spades is very proud.' "'Yes,' mutters Raymond in Valerie's ear. "'Heaven help the king who injures such a queen.' She does not take her eyes from the blue spectacles of Monsieur Blue Rosé, but there is a tightening of her determined mouth which seems like an assent to this remark. She can hate as well as love. The king of spades is in danger, says the fortune-teller. There is, for a few minutes, dead silence while the blue spectacles shift from group to group of cards, Valerie intently watching them, Raymond intently watching her, "'This time there seems to be something difficult "'in the calculation of the numbers. "'The spectacles shift hither and thither, "'and the thin white lips move silently "'and rapidly from seven to nine "'and back again to seven. "'There is something on the cards that puzzles you,' "'says Raymond, breaking the deathly silence. "'What is it?' "'A death,' answers the passionless voice of Monsieur Blue Rosé. "'A violent death,' "'which bears no outward sign of violence. "'I said, did I not, that the king of spades was in danger? "'You did. "'From three to five, from five to nine, "'from nine to seven, from seven to nine, "'the groups of cards form a circle. three times round the circle as the sun goes, "'back again, and three times round the circle "'in a contrary direction, "'across the circle, from three to seven, "'from seven to five, from five to nine and the blue spectacles come to a dead stop at nine. "'Before twelve o'clock tomorrow night, "'the King of Spades will be dead,' "'says the monotonous voice of Monsieur Bleu Rosé. "'The voices of the clocks of Paris "'seem to take up Monsieur Bleu Rosé's voice "'as they strike the hour of midnight. Twenty-four hours for the King of Spades. "'Monsieur Bleu Rosé gathers up his cards "'and drops them into his pocket.' Malicious people say that he sleeps with them under his pillow, that he plays a cart by himself in his sleep, and that he has played piquet with a very tall, dark gentleman whom the porter never let either in or out, and who left a suffocating atmosphere behind him in Monsieur Blue Rose's little apartment. Good, says Monsieur Raymond Moreau. So much for the pasteboard, now for the crucible. For the first time since the discovery of the treachery of her husband, Valerie Delancey smiles. She has a beautiful smile, which curves the delicate lips without distorting them, and which brightens in her large dark eyes with a glorious fire of the sunny south. But for all that, heaven save the man who has injured her from the light of such a smile as hers of tonight. "'You want my assistance in some matters of chemistry?' asked Blue Rosé. "'Yes, I forgot to tell you, madame, "'that my friend Laurent blue rosset "'though he chooses to hide himself "'in one of the most obscure streets of Paris, "'is perhaps one of the greatest men in this mighty city. "'He is a chemist who will one day work a revolution "'in the chemical science. "'But he is a fanatic, madame, "'or let me rather say he is a lover, "'and his crucible is his mistress. "'This blind devotion to a science,' is surely only another form of the world's great madness, love. Who knows what bright eyes a problem in Euclid may have replaced? Who can tell what fair hair may not have been forgotten in the search after a Greek root? Valerie shivers. Heaven help that shattered heart. Every word that touches on the master passion of her life is a wound that pierces it to the core. "'You do not smoke, Blue Rosé. "'Foolish man, you do not know how to live. "'Pardon, madame.' "'He lights his cigar at the green shaded gas lamp, "'seats himself close to the stove, "'and smokes for a few minutes in silence. "'Valerie, still seated before the little table, "'watches him with fixed eyes, waiting for him to speak. "'In the utter shipwreck of her every hope, "'this adventurer is the only anchor to which she can cling.' presently, he says, in his most easy and indifferent manner. It was the fashion at the close of the fifteenth and throughout the sixteenth century for the ladies of Italy to acquire a certain knowledge of some of the principles of chemistry. Of course, at the head of these ladies we must place Lucretia Borgia. Monsieur blu Roset nods in assent. Valérie looks from Raymond to the blue spectacles but the face of the chemist testifies no shade of surprise at the singularity of Raymond's observation. Then, continued Monsieur Moreau, if a lady was deeply injured, or cruelly insulted by the man she loved, if her pride was trampled in the dust, or her name and her weakness held up to ridicule and contempt, then she knew how to avenge herself and to defy the world a tender pressure of the trader's hand, a flower or a ribbon given as a pledge of love, the leaves of a book hastily turned over with the tips of moistened fingers. People had such vulgar habits in those days. And behold, the gentleman died, and no one was any the wiser but the worms, with whose constitutions aqua tofana at second hand may possibly have disagreed. Vultures have died from the effects of poisoned carrion, "'muttered Monsieur bleu "'But in this degenerate age,' continued Raymond, "'what can our Parisian ladies do "'when they have reason to be revenged on a traitor? "'The poor blunderers can only give him half a pint of laudanum "'or an ounce or so of arsenic "'and run the risk of detection half an hour after his death. "'I think that time is a circle "'and that we retreat as we advance, "'in spite of our talk of progress.' His horrible words, thrice horrible when contrasted with the coolness of his easy manner, freeze Valerie to the very heart. But she does not make one effort to interrupt him. "'Now, my good blue rosé,' he resumes, "'what I want of you is this. "'Something which will change a glass of wine into a death warrant, "'but which will defy the scrutiny of a college of physicians. "'This lady wishes to take a lesson in chemistry.' She will, of course, only experimentalize on rabbits, and she's so tender-hearted that, as you see, she shudders even at the thought of that little cruelty. For the rest, to repay you for your trouble, if you will give her pen and ink, she will write you an order on her banker for five thousand francs. Monsieur Blue Rosé appears no more surprised at this request than if he had been asked for a glass of water "'he goes to a cabinet, which he opens, "'and after a little search selects a small tin box, "'from which he takes a few grains of white powder, "'which he screws carelessly in a scrap of newspaper. "'He is so much accustomed to handling these compounds "'that he treats them with very small ceremony. "'It is a slow poison,' he says. "'For a full-grown rabbit, "'use the eighth part of what you have there. "'The whole of it would poison a man.' but death, in either case, would not be immediate. The operation of the poison occupies some hours before it terminates fatally. Madame will use it with discretion, says Raymond. Do not fear. Monsieur Blue Rosé holds out the little packet as if expecting Valerie to take it. She recoils with a ghastly face and shudders as she looks from the chemist to Raymond Moreau. "'In this degenerate age,' says Raymond, "'looking her steadily in the face, "'our women cannot redress their own wrongs, "'however deadly those wrongs may be. "'They must have fathers, brothers, or uncles to fight for them, "'and the world is to witness the struggle. "'Bah! "'There is not a woman in France "'who is better than a sentimental schoolgirl.' "'Valerie stretches out her small hand to receive the packet. "'Give me the pen, monsieur,' says she, and the chemist presents her a half-sheet of paper, on which she writes hurriedly an order on her bankers, which she signs in full with her maiden name. Monsieur Blue looked over the paper as she wrote. "'Valerie de Cévennes,' he exclaimed, "'I did not know I was honoured by so aristocratic a visitor.' "'Valerie put her hand to her head as if bewildered. "'My name,' she muttered. "'I forgot, I forgot.' "'What do you fear, madame?' asked Raymond with a smile. "'Are you not among friends?' "'For pity's sake, monsieur,' she said, "'give me your arm and take me back to the carriage. "'I shall drop down dead if I stay longer in this room.' The blue spectacles contemplated her gravely for a moment. Monsieur Blue Roset laid one cold hand upon her pulse, and with the other took a little bottle from the cabinet— "'out of which he gave his visitor a few drops of a transparent liquid. "'She will do now,' he said to Raymond, "'till you get her home. "'Then see that she takes this,' he added, "'handing Monsieur Morel another vial. "'It is an opiate which will procure her six hours' sleep. "'Without that she would go mad.' "'Raymond led Valerie from the room. "'But once outside her head fell heavily on his shoulder "'and he was obliged to carry her down the steep steps.' I think he muttered to himself as he went out into the courtyard with his unconscious burden. I think we have sealed the doom of the king of spades. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder. But you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot, because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this. High-quality leads fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. Phoebe Reads a Mystery is recorded in the studios of North Carolina Public Radio, WUNC.